Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Just listen to the sermon this morning. It was very connected to something that God spoke to us as well in Rest Youth last year. We have a series called All In for, for a few months. And just listening to that, I was afterwards just meditating and, and that word during worship and certain things and questions that came to me. And in, in one time, one moment when I was worshiping, I really felt um, this question in my heart that God asked me, like, what would have happened if I take everything you want from you? And when I was worshiping, I began to think about it. I began to, what can you take from me? If I said, I want to go all in with you, what can you take from me? And he mentioned a few things. He mentioned music. He mentioned maybe it will be more difficult for you to, to find me or to worship me. What about that? And I began to cry and, and, and really to think about how far, you know, I've come until now. But sometimes I have this desire to give up. <laughs> and I have this desire to stop and to say, God, take me out of here. Put me here. You know, give me a better place. Give me a better situation. Give, give me a better, I don't know, anything. And, and I, I'm just, you know, struggling that place of telling God I, I, I need a different environment. I need a different atmosphere. I need something that can make me feel better in this feeling. And when I was asking that through that time, he, he said to me, <laughs> do you think my son was really maybe having the good time when he came to earth? Do you think he was just enjoying every single day? Or do you think he didn't come to pray or to talk to me and say, hey, take me away from here. I can't take this. And when he said that to me, I was like, wow, that's something, God. <laughs> there is something. You have a plan with everything I'm going through. And then at the same time, he said, I never let him go. On his own. I was always by his side. So he was telling me basically, hey, you can go through any rough times, but you know what? The time will be rough, but I'm still with you. And you can find a place in me because I will be here forever with you. I've been from the beginning and I will be here until the end of times. And that was comforting my heart, but it wasn't until I was preparing the message that I'm going to share with you today that Wednesday, I, f I went to sleep and God put in my heart something. God put in my heart Christopher Forrester in my heart. And I, told, I, I said to myself, I'm going to text him tomorrow because it's too late. And then the next day, we found out what happened. And I'm in the middle of this. I stopped preparing my message because I, I needed to pay attention to my friend, to, to this person that got put in my heart in my life for a reason and I said okay screw everything <laughs> I'm out of here I'm gonna be where you know he needs me and 
have the privilege to see God's hand in such a mighty way. And through the pain and through everything, I was there. I, was, I went with him to pick up his, his dad's stuff and his job. I was there sitting at the same table his dad was sitting. I was, I was going through everything with him. And God put in my hand and my heart to say to him, hey, you don't have to pretend to be strong at this time. I'm going to be strong for you so you can let go, so you can just be vulnerable at this time, so you can just let God do everything he's going to do. And I'm really happy and joyful. You have no idea to see him and his mom here today. Because there's no better place to be than with the body of Christ and the presence of the mighty God. And that's everything. And that's everything. So today I'm going to be talking about time, talent, and treasure. That's the um, series that, that, that I was assigned to preach today. So I will be starting. I'm going to unpack with you today um, this parable that we found in Matthew 25, verse 14. It's known as the parable of the talents, all right? And in NIV, the, the, actually the title says the parable, the parable of the bags of gold. And the reason why it's titled in that way is because talents in this case, it's not talking about abilities, it's talking about the currency that was used in, in this parable. In other words, the same way we have dollars today, they have talents back there. That was the name of the currency. So the money that was given, in this, we're going to go through this, was called talent. So that's why it's also known as the parable of the talents. All right? So I'm going to try to unpack this today in a different way. Because I was praying, I was saying, God, we know this. <laughs> we have probably gone through this parable before. So bring something different to our spirit today. Bring something different to us. Bring some, speak to your people. Speak to, to us in this season, in this time. Tell us something fresh. So I believe that God put in my heart something fresh to share today about this. So I'm going to just read the first two verses uh, in this chapter. So it says, again... It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And then to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. So I want to share first in these two verses, you know. I want to talk about the master's distribution. The way he did it. So we have here two characters. We have the master and then we have the servants. We don't have only one servant. We have three servants. And the reason why we have three is because in this parable, God is trying to explain to us the diversity that you can find in the body of Christ. That we are different. If we use only one, maybe we can probably assume that that would be a general topic for everybody. Sometimes the Bible mentions the man and it's for everybody, correct? But in this time, specifically, we see three servants. We don't see just only one. And we see that they're treated differently. We see that one gets $5,000. We see that another one got $10,000. And then we see another one got $1,000. And it was according to what? To their abilities. Right? Thank you. No, you, you can talk. You're good. <laughs> so we have the master. 
this parable is not telling us too much about the master, right? It's just telling us that he had a lot of money, correct? Another thing we can see here in the master is also that he is going in a journey. Something else that we can see here that is giving to his servants money that belongs to him. And that's a very important point, right? Then we see the following questions, you know. How can somebody trust money in someone else? How can you trust your resources in someone else? Just a question right there. How, you know, could it be that the master knew them enough to entrust his money to them? So in this first two verses, I believe it's very key. Because we can see the intention in this master. We can see that before continuing in the, in the chapter before this, we see the disciples coming to Jesus and ask, Hey, can you, st- can you tell us about what's going to happen when the end of times is it's coming? That was the question. And then Jesus explained basically using four analogies or four illustrations. They're known also as parables, right? So this one is the third one that he uses to explain the end of times. Because that was the question. But the way that he explained this is not telling them, hey, this is what is going to happen when the end comes. Because actually he said, no one knows. No one will know. Just the Father knows. Not even the angels will know when the end will come. So in other words, I'm not, not going to talk about the end of times. I'm going to talk about what is going to happen during, before he comes back. Because that's what matters to you. And that's very interesting. So the masters and the, and the servants represents in this point, because Jesus is talking to the disciples, represents Jesus and their disciples. So maybe this can have a meaning for us today, but I want to try to focus on the meaning for them at that time. He was talking to the disciples. He was talking to his servants in a way. He was talking to, to those who were walking with him until that time. So he's using this analogy to talk to them, to explain something to them. So we can assume now in these two verses that the master knew the servants. That the master knew the capabilities of the servants. Right? That the master is spending probably time giving them tasks before in order to know their abilities. You cannot know abilities in somebody if you don't see them doing something. They need a task. They need something to do. And that is what a good master does. And Jesus was the greatest of all teachers, masters, rabbi, everything. And he's talking here, okay, so I'm, what he's trying to tell us through this in the first two verses is that we have a master that knew the servants. We have a master that knew the capabilities. They knew how far they can go, how much they can do. Maybe he spent time with each one of them doing something. Maybe he, he took them to go shopping. He took them to do business. He took them to do something with him. They were walking with him the same way that the disciples were walking with Jesus until this time. So he's telling everything. Basically, he's telling us here, sorry, there is a relationship happening. 
So before you're entrusted with something, there's a relationship that takes place. That's what, if you read this again, he says, basically he says, to one five bags, to another one two bags, to one another one one bag, and then he said, each according to what? To their abilities. So what that means, according to means that before receiving the money, the abilities took place. Something very interesting, if we go back to Genesis, we see how the first time that you read God saying, I'm going to give help to Adam, he gave him animals. It wasn't Eve yet. It was animals first. Why? He needed Adam to develop his abilities to take care of the treasure that he was going to receive afterwards. So it's very important to understand that whatever you receive is according to your ability that tells you the work that you have already with God, the, the, all the learning, all the background that you got with him until that time. What that means is that maybe you, you can get one bag of gold today, but he will continue equipping you during that time. And maybe you can get more according to your abilities maybe later on. Because it's a process of teaching. Right? So are you guys with me? So the abilities, they just don't come right away. I can have a baby, and the baby, I cannot expect the baby to do everything on their own. Because they, they don't have certain abilities that they need to develop through my teaching. So I have to equip them. I have to teach them how to do certain things. I have to teach them how to cut you know, give you a baby to do something. Give you a baby to, to, to draw something or to paint something and to stay in the, in, in, in the lines. They won't do that. So there are certain abilities that our beautiful babies were developed through the teacher. So that's the one point I want to tell you. So we see the master making the disciples responsible for managing a portion of his state. Even though the servants are given different sums to take, you know, care of it, it all still belongs to who? To God. He was giving them something to, care, to take care. But he, he wasn't saying, hey, now you have this $5,000, so now you are free to go, and now you can become a master. He entrusts money that actually is still was, um, belongs to the master. They, you know, they are just administrators who will answer for how they invested the master's belongings. So this fact reinforces the principle of stewardship. As believers, we're all given resources according to our skills and abilities. But those resources, at the end, belong to God. We will eventually answer for how we invest them. And I'm, I'm not just talking about money. In this case, actually, Jesus was talking about the message that we have, he was putting in the disciples' hearts. He's not even talking about money. He's talking about, hey, I'm giving you the gospel. And the master is going to go in a, in, a, in, a, in a long trip. <laughs> and now you guys have to do something about with this. I'm entrusting you 
my message. I'm entrusting you salvation. I'm entrusting you the good news to people. I'm entrusting you what will set people free. I'm entrusting you what will bring deliverance and freedom and joy and everything that my creation needs in your hands. I'm entrusting that in your hands. And before you think about how the world will end, just think about what you're going to do with what I'm entrusting you right now. Right? But, it, but it's super important. Don't get me wrong. It's super important to think about the end. Because it's very different when I said, hey, I'm hungry, than when I, when I say, I'm going to eat. Here, I'm just telling you what I'm feeling, but here, there's action involved in my feelings. There's a big difference when you say that. There's a big difference when you say, I'm going to date this beautiful girl, when you say, I'm going to pray to get married with this beautiful girl. Because there's an action and an end and a purpose in my decision. Here, it's like I'm just hungry. But here, it's I'm hungry, but I want to eat. So when you make decisions to say, I'm going to eat, you really step into actions. And you're not just feeling about things. You're actually getting ready to eat. You're actually getting ready to do something. Now you consider, what do I need in order to eat? I'm missing a fork. I'm missing a plate. I'm missing the food. I'm missing this. I'm going to buy that. I don't have money. And then you begin to think about everything. But when you don't have a purpose to go, and you're just saying, I'm hungry, that's not. That's, that, that's dead. It's not going to move. It's not going to get to something. So it was important for the disciples to know that Jesus was coming back. When? He didn't say that. But did he say that he was coming back? So now he's saying, you have now something to embrace. And now you have an actions to take in all this. So that's the beginning of, of all this. So before we think about sometimes how I'm going to use my money, how I'm going to use my time, how I'm going to use all of that, the big question is, how much time am I spending with the master to learn abilities, to learn those capabilities in order to achieve what I need to do? And that is what connects exactly perfectly with this Sunday message that Justin preached. Because in order to, to step into that place to let the master do, you have to go all in. You have to go all in. I'm telling you, I don't know, every time I pray, I regret the first time I said, Father, I want to go all in. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> because when I prayed that, things began to happen. Things began to happen. You began to, you began to feel the necessity to let certain things go that you like. And that's what I love about fasting. Fasting is not a hunger strike. To get what God wants, right? Sometimes we do that. Let's do the hunger strike so we can get what we want, what we need. Let's fast. <laughs> but that's not the way it works. Fasting is actually a resource that God gave us in order for us to learn how to live under his lordship. You know? I want a piece of steak, but you know what? I'm learning how to make decisions and how to be 
you know, self-control and to say no. Even though I have, I'm so tired, even though I am so stressed with this city, even though I have so much to do, I'm still know that I need money, but I need to be capable. I need to be equipped. I need to be equipped to everything that he only can teach me in order to manage better what I need to do in this world. So are you guys with me? Are you guys tracking to this point? So, so we have that the way that God distributes everything, the master in this parable, is through a relationship first. So according to that, he knows what he's going to give you. But now sometimes we feel bad about it. What about this guy that got $10,000? What about me? I just got $1,000. So I'm now capable now. So I don't have abilities. And that's a very interesting point. We're going to get there. But the other point I want to bring to you today is the servant's faithfulness. So the verse 16 says, The man who had received five bags of gold went and at once. Say it with me. At once. Say it again. At once. And put his money to work and earned five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold. But the man who had received one bag went off and make a hole and dug that and in the ground and then he hid his master's money. So the reason why I tell you to say with me at once is because I have this question now. How did the servants know what to do with that money? Just think about that. As a servant, maybe you, you, you don't have the capacity to have that money in your hands. Because you're a servant. You're making money for your master. It's not going to your bank account. But now the question is, how did they know what to do with the money? How this guy went right away to, to invest that? Because he saw the master doing it. Because the servant was, it wasn't just a servant that became a servant that day. It was a servant that was walking with the master until that time. So it's super important for us to understand that. The more you know God, the better you do everything. Because he's the way. He's the way maker. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. So this servant went right away, and I like that, right away. He went, he, he, didn't, he didn't even wait a minute. <laughs> he right away, he said, I need to put this right away. Because why? They knew he was coming back. Why they knew he was coming back? Because the master didn't release them from their identity. The master just entrusts them with something. But it was clear for them that he was coming back. And if he was coming back, he was expecting me to bring more back to him. Right? So the second one did the same thing. So the servants knew what to do with the money because they had seen the teacher, the master, do the same. And they were attentive students. And they were not afraid to leave their comforts. Their place. So another part that happened after this that I love, I want to share in this point, maybe I'm going to stay here a little longer, is the master happiness. 
Say with me, the master's happiness. So after a long time, verse 19, the master of those servants returned and set accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the older five to him. And then also the, the, the guy who, um, you, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have won five more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So come and share your master's happiness. And I love that part. Come and share your master's happiness. And that is very beautiful. Why? Because in a basketball team, I want to use this analogy to illustrate this. There is something amazing that happens when a good team plays. And it's when each one of them love their places on the court. It's when every player loves what they do. You, you need five players in each team to play basketball on the court, correct? You need five. You need, what, what are the positions? You need a center, right? I don't remember the names. You need five. <laughs> but most of the time, but most of the time you have the person that has the ball most of the time. So if you love basketball, I want to have the ball all the time I can. So I'm going to do my best to try to be in that position of that person that brings the ball all the time from one part to the other part. But a good team is not the team that is trying to be somebody who had the ball. A good team is a team that understands there's a place in that position. So if I am here, I'm going to do the best I, I can to be the best center I do. I'm just going to do picks. That's all my job. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to get rebounds. I'm just going to get rebounds. I'm going to pass the ball to the place. I'm going to pass the ball to the other place. And I'm going to celebrate every time Steve Curry makes a three-point. Because I love that he's in that position. Because I love when I'm in this position. And together we work together. So what I'm trying to say with this illustration is the master happiness, happiness comes true when we both love our positions. When we love being the servants and when we love him being the master. And when we're not fighting against each other to try to switch that around. So that's why he's saying, now come and share your master's happiness. Because now we're going to share together because what is my happiness? My happiness is your happiness. Because you are with me. I'm giving you a place to stay. You're staying in my home. Even though you have 10, 5, 1, you guys eat in the same table with me. You guys have the same privilege. But I'm working with every single one of you individually. But I don't see you better than the other one. I'm giving you the same place in my house. I'm giving you the same table for you to eat. I'm giving you the same treatment. I'm spending the same time with you. Matter of fact, he's actually more cared probably with the guy who gave only one go. Because that's the person that needs to grow faster. And that's the person that sometimes the master, you, you begin to take more time, but you can't just concentrate on only one. But what I'm trying to tell you guys is the master's happiness, our father's happiness, really begins to happen when we understand our place 
humble place of servants. And we just let him be the Lord of that. Justin says this morning something very interesting that we, we also said before. If God is not God of all, he's not God at all. And that's very interesting because it's not in between. It's not in the middle. It's, it's black or it's white. But there is no gray. You know? And the reason why there's no gray is because the last person comes and says, so the man who has uh, one bag came to him. And he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown. And gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So see, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest what I have not sowed and gather what I have not scattered seed? Well, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I return, I will have received it back with interest. And now it says this. Take so the bag of gold from this guy and give it to the other one. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and pain. And the reason why this is here, this is very interesting. Because, there, again, Jesus is talking about the end of time. And it's not, I'm not that smart, but <laughs> it's obvious that if I'm talking about the end of times, there is not an opportunity after that. Do you understand that? The end of time means there's no second changes now after that. So this is the part where it gets very serious in everything. Because when Jesus comes back, that is going to be the end of everything. And when he comes back, the faithful I'm going to share with him. But those who didn't know him or those who didn't follow him, they're going to have a different end than the rest of the people. And that is what have to be so clear. That is why Jesus is so determined to say this this way. It's not because God is not going to give people second chances. He's talking about here the end of time. He's not talking about here what happens before that. Of course God is merciful. Of course God is a God that gives you an opportunity to come back and say, Father, I need to put everything again. Can you give me another bag? <laughs> can you give me one more week so I can, do, I can make it happen? Maybe he will say, yes, definitely, you have another week. But in this time, he's not talking about that. In this time, he's trying to give you an example about your whole life and everything. Because the question was, when is the end of times? So when the end of time comes, it won't be a second chance. And that's what I'm trying to make clear. And I want to explain that because we need to understand that very well. So when the unfaithful servant returns the exact amount of he received, the master is, you know, upset. What is the return of the servant's investment? To excuse himself, the servant reveals to the master that he was scared. Knowing the master to be a merciless boss, he was afraid to invest and lost the master's money. 
So this is the reason he just buried the money. So the master responds in anger. If you were truly afraid of me, he seems to say, you will have responded differently. You will have done anything to have something to offer. So the master's worth challenged the third servant's words. So too often, we allow our misunderstood views about God to justify or excuse poor stewardship or disobedience. My disobedience is not happening because God will be upset if I don't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Actually, God is upset when we disobey because we're not pursuing our purposes. We're getting stuck. And I like when, if you go back, I like when he says, immediately he goes, at once he's go. Because obedience has to be immediately, has to be complete, completely, and has to be with joy. And that is the three parts of obedience. So it's very important for all to understand that before maybe going home and just thinking about what can I do with my resources, think about this. What can I do to get to know the master? What can I do to be equipped by him? What can I do to become a servant and love my place as a servant. So the master didn't give away his title. He didn't give away. He didn't just got rid of that place as a master. The Bible does say that when Jesus came, he got rid of all, you know, his nature to become man like us. But he didn't give, you know, away that fact that he was the son of God. That he was here and we are in our humble place as a servant. So what that means, guys, is that whatever we do in life, whatever we have, it doesn't belong to us. And the more you think it belongs to you, the more difficult it will be to do everything you have to do. Because you won't have peace. You won't be able sometimes to sleep. So that's why the invitation is to go all in with him. The invitation is to die. The invitation is to do that. So as servants of Christ, we're called to be productive. Of all our health, money, time, and abilities have come from him. And we are tasked with putting them to use to benefit the kingdom. So a time is coming when the master will return to settle accounts. And then it will be too late. It's not enough to say, I didn't, you know, I didn't use what you gave me, Lord. We want to demonstrate how we have used the gift and abilities we have been given to benefit the kingdom. So God desires that we be risk takers who share his commitment. That's now, that's how we will enter into the happiness of the master. I'm going to share just with this real analogy. I used, to, I used to not like Leviticus. Because <laughs> that book is, you know, is very difficult to read. But I began to love Leviticus when I understood something. Yeah, I understood that sacrifices 
back then in that time were made in a very interesting way. So a difference from us, back then, right now I go to Target, I go to Casco, I get the chicken, I get everything I need. Correct? Back then, they used to have their own animals. They used to take care of their own animals, and maybe some of them didn't have some. Maybe they went to buy somebody. But even that was part of that time. So imagine that I have lambs, and I'm taking care of them. And I go every morning to feed them, and I do all that. I'm investing my life, my time, and everything I am to take care of them. Correct? And then I have one of them that's the biggest one, the strongest one. The one that leads everybody else because I'm thinking, wow, this December I'm going to you know, just cook this. It's going to be amazing. This is the most amazing lamb that I have. But then you go to church and then you hear the pastor saying that we have to bring the best in our sacrifice. And then you are, oh my God, so that means that I have to bring the best lamb that I have? <laughs> so that means that I have to bring the best that I have in my house? That, that means that if I don't have one, that means that I have to pay the price for a good one? And it's going to be probably really expensive, I don't know. What I'm trying to tell you is that sacrifice was painful. It was hard. It wasn't easy to do when, when you needed to sacrifice the best lamb you had. But if we fast forward a little bit, that's exactly what our God did with his only son. He sent him to be the sacrifice for you and for me. That was the best he had. And then we see today the invitation in the Bible is to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So that is the step, that is the door that opens that place to encounter God. That is, the, that is the place. So what is God asking us nowadays to sacrifice? It's not a lamb, but it's your desires. It's what you want to do best. It's what is, it's what is most important for you that's taking God's place. <laughs> sacrifice has to be painful. It has to take something from us. And that's what all in means. All in means that pain is included in the process. <laughs> that means that it's going to be hardship. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be time. It's going to be hard. So my invitation today through this message is to understand that we have a father that's taking care of us. That we have a father that never leaves you, never forsake you. That he says in the Bible that even your parents will forsake you, but he will never forsake you. Even though when you see that you're going through the valley of the desert, in this case, you're going to always remember it because you can see his hand there with you when it's painful, when you're losing somebody, when you're losing a business, when you are going through something difficult. We can't lose hope. Because we haven't lost him. It's going to be with us forever. My hope doesn't come from what I have. It comes from who he is. It doesn't come from my belongings. It comes from who he says he is from the beginning to the end. So I'm willing to go all in to follow what he wants me to do. What he wants to entrust me according to my abilities. I'm going to be faithful because I want to experience and enjoy the happiness of my master.
with my place and putting him in his lordship in that high place. So you want to stand with me and we pray? We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0. 